So when I started out at Comedy Sports, I don't know what it was about that environment. Sometimes I felt like our audiences were kind of conditioned to just kind of look at me and fold their arms and kind of say, oh, you, good luck making me laugh. I don't know what it was. I just felt like I had to like get the audience on my side. A lot of times I was the only woman in the show, probably most of the times that I was doing it. And then the comments afterward, because afterward we'd go outside and we greet the audience. People would come outside and they go to my friends, the guys, and they'd say, oh, you're so funny. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. They'd get to me and this happened every time. And they'd say, wow, you are actually funny for a girl. And I was just like, thank you. Like, you can't, you can't just say like, oh, you're so funny. No, it had to be qualified. Like, wow, you actually made me laugh. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, so yeah, so that back then it was kind of like this. I felt like I always had to prove something or over, you know, overcome this bias that people had against female comedians. Haley Jones Smith is this episode of the Cultural Hall. I have to tell you, it was like getting reacquainted with a friend that I didn't even know that I had. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Haley is super hilarious. And this was recorded before Once I Was Engaged, the sequel to Once I Was a Beehive was even announced. That's why within the episode, you don't hear us talk about it because she knew that it was sort of in the works, but she couldn't tell anything about it. Uh, We'll obviously follow the progression as that show That movie uh, is going to be produced and uh, available in theaters probably spring to summer of 2021, pending another global pandemic or anything like that. But I think you guys are really going to enjoy being able to talk with Haley about not only uh, her life, uh, where she comes from, where she's going and why she's here. No, I'm teasing Uh, about um, how she found her way into improv comedy. But also, uh, stick around for the third block because uh, we talk about how and what you do when life maybe doesn't go the way that you thought it would. It's a great episode with a new found friend, uh, maybe an old found friend. It seemed like I'd seen her smile somewhere before and, in fact, heard her voice before. Uh, it's this episode of The Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and we are joined with uh, Haley Jones Smith. I thought about calling her Haley Joe, but I wanted to give her proper props to that maiden name of hers. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Haley Jones Smith. Where have I heard that name before? Well, you'd know her probably as Sydney in the short film Funky Town, uh, or maybe you would know her as Cassie from I'm Pretty Too, also a short film. Um, but more recently, you can see her in Once I Was a Beehive or in the BYU TV show Show Offs, among other things. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Wow, you really dug deep into the IMDb. Well, I was hope <laughs> I was hoping um, if you could finally give an answer to if you could take me to Funky Town as the song addresses over and over and over again. Like, I just don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Similar to Sesame Street. Like, if, if you could give me some instruction of... Uh, an address or even a city oh. really uh, around mm-hmm. funky town. I am um... right. Yeah. It, well, it turns out it's mostly the Provo area. Oh, okay. At least okay. Where we shot it. Um, okay. okay. But it was a, it was a film noir musical. So it's kind of a dangerous side of Provo that you might not <laughs> always see. So well, I don't know if you want to go there. Well, listen, listen, <laughs> let me just back away. um facing it uh, so that I don't get anyone stabbing me in the back near funky town. Uh, Haley Jones Smith is a, a an actress, a comedian, uh, and excited to have you here. 
So my favorite part is right before we turned on the microphone to record this, she said, what are we doing? What is this? And I said, all right, let's, let's, let's do this. I am an improviser at heart. <laughs> so plan ahead. I, I have no worries uh, that this will be just absolutely fantastic. Uh, the, the Cultural Hall, just to, to fill you in, it is a show that is available in podcast form. It has been around almost 10 years with over 600 episodes uh, that have been published. Uh, we have interviewed the likes of a good mutual friend of ours, like Lisa Valentine Clark. But we've also interviewed folks like uh, Jim Gaffigan, if you've ever heard of, of that gentleman, comedian. Also, we have talked with folks like Brandon Flowers from The Killers or Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons. Those are some of maybe the bigger names of note. But we've also talked with like costumers and bread makers and other other people kind of along the way. Uh, historians. No, I am familiar with the podcast. I've listened to some episodes. I think I follow you guys on Facebook. So I've seen your posts over the years. And so you guys were like doing this before podcasting was even a thing. I mean, we don't want to brag, but yeah, you're right. You're right. That's that's absolutely the thing. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias, by the way, uh, at the Cultural Hall for people who have not followed us there. But Haley, to answer your question um, from before, this is an opportunity for people to get to know you. Maybe they saw you in Once I Was a Beehive, or maybe they have been watching the show Show Offs, the three seasons of Show Offs that are produced and available by downloading the BYU TV app and being able to binge. You're welcome. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thanks. But uh, but to really know who you are and uh, and where you come from and, and why you're so gosh darn funny and talented and all those things. Oh, gosh, I'm blushing. <laughs> So, so let so let's uh, let's take it back to when you were just a mere Haley Jones. Like where are you from? Where 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 were you raised? What's all that about? Okay, yeah. Well, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. Um we weren't in the military. My dad was in commercial real estate, but I was born in Salt Lake. We lived in Houston, Texas, Denver, Colorado, where I'm at now, actually Chicago, and then I spent probably my formative years in Claremont, California in Los Angeles. I went to high school there. It's in East LA County. Great, great town. In fact, my kids always make fun of me because anytime I talk about a memory from high school, um, I just talk about, according to them, everything was perfect and everyone was singing in the mm -hmm. hallways. And they're like, mom, we don't want to hear about your high school musical Claremont yeah. high school. <laughs> but because I'll just be like, my high school was great. The, the cheerleaders did theater and yeah. the football players were on student council you know like everything crossed yeah. over there weren't clicks why we all came together every morning and everyone celebrated the differences between each individual but we were individuals that supported one another and they're like yeah mom sure 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 that's exactly right they're like you just can't relate we don't want to hear about claremont but it was really great and then i went from there to um byu mm -hmm. heard of it and yeah and um, then I lived in Utah for a while from that point on and didn't return to living in Southern California. But Southern California will always have a big piece of my heart. So uh, let's pick up a, a couple pieces there. Like when you say that your dad did commercial real estate and traveled a bunch. To me, that's like dad did a bunch of shady deals and then had to... <laughs> And then had to get out of town. Like, that's what that sounds like to me, right? It's like, yeah, no, like he would really establish himself. And then one day we would have our bags packed and the home would move. Like, why, 
Like, I mean, a lot of people will establish themselves in real estate in particular areas and then just stay there for forever. (laughs) Well, no, it was all above board business. Um, No, there are a couple of like a couple. He did do like a little career change at one point, start Mm. working with his brothers and then switched companies at one point. And um, but yeah, no, but (laughs) it was I never I always wanted to have that experience of like knowing the same kids in kindergarten that you knew in high school. I never obviously experienced that. So I kind of love my kids. We moved to Denver in 2013 from New York city. And so my youngest kids have kind of, kind of will get to have that experience. So they started first grade here and they'll finish high school here. And I'm kind of jealous of them for that. Cause I never got to experience that, but I did get to learn how to, make lots of friends and meet lots of people yeah. <laughs> not I, still you think that would be my forte yeah not so much no no uh always uh, always a member of the church family always a member where does that come into play yeah yeah um my parents were both members i was raised in the church i'm still an active member my siblings i don't not know that any of them are mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. and um yeah i was I was married in the temple. My husband has since stopped attending. And so we have an interesting kind of mixed faith thing going on. So Right, right. Maybe, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll get into that as much as you'll allow we, us to. You should certainly I'm later. an open book. So, uh, yeah. So now, let, so now let's take it to where uh, you go to the BYU. Was it the um, obligatory pilgrimage of, I want to be around like-minded people, like my high school singing and dancing. Now I want to be surrounded by members of the church all the time. Actually, I kind of, I resisted it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to go back east or somewhere. I don't know. I just wanted to do something different. And then my parents were like, well, you can probably only go to college if you get a scholarship because we can't really afford it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, BYU it is. Yeah. Um, I did. I was lucky enough to get an academic scholarship. So um, yeah, I went into it kind of, you know, skeptical but I really loved it. And I, I found that, and again, with my kids, I tried to tell them, oh, BYU's great. And they're like, yeah, sure, mom. Everyone's yeah. the same. I'm like, no, they're not. I mean, you really find everyone, you can find your people there. There's just all different people from all over the world. I think it's a really great place. I have no regrets about going there. And I loved all my years at BYU. There so. are some people with beard cards and there are some people with short hair and some people with long hair. No, it, it definitely gets a bad rap. And, 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 and there is, to, to BYU's credit, there is something for everyone, just as I feel like there is anywhere. No matter where you go, you find the like-minded people who you can associate yeah. with and be able to grow with. And, and your experience yeah. happened to be at BYU. Is that where you met your husband? Mm-hmm. how yes, that how that we, happened tell me the sweet story yeah. well um actually i came back from christmas break um my sophomore year so um i was 19 um i <laughs> and my roommate came home and she's like oh my gosh you have to meet we had this friend of ours in our ward and he had some new roommates and she said you have to come over and meet uh merrick's new roommates they're so weird <laughs> and i was like Oh, okay. I'm Ooh, intrigued. I love weird. <laughs> so immediately from the get-go, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I had to get to the bottom of this. But yeah, no. So my husband, Ben, he is was very interesting and just weird enough, not too weird. 
to um, definitely keep me interested. We started, you know, hanging out as friends. And then kind of a movie thing happened where his roommate, Merrick, our mutual friend, was telling him that I liked him. Uh-huh. And he was telling me that he liked me. Uh-huh. And so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much that helped, but it definitely, I don't know. I would say that could have played a part in this, you know. So your friend, together. so your friend Merrick manipulated <laughs> the two of you and now you got married. Cool. All right. All right. That makes sense. That way to go, Merrick. And then he married my roommate. And sure. so it's just like, a, you know, it's just, it was just like a friend sitcom. Basically, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right from the pages of television, uh, the network television shows. Uh so pretty quick then, I'm assuming as well, that you got married pretty quick based on well, how you sort my, of are sheepish you know, around it. No, my parents were divorced, so I was pretty gun shy about that. Mm-hmm. So we dated for about a year and a half because I was super nervous. And um, But my husband, his parents had a great relationship. And I remember talking to him and being like, well tell me about like an instance where you saw your parents fight. And he's like, I can't really think of one. Yeah. <laughs> and I oh, was great. like, marry me. Yeah. <laughs> no. But I mean, since then I understand that, you know, of course they argue, but it's just the fact that he wasn't traumatized by it or that right. they did it in a very, you know, healthy way was just a great example to me because I had not really experienced that. It's in a- my that's a, that's a pretty real thing, uh, the trauma that comes from seeing your parents get divorced. I mean, I'm a child mm-hmm. of divorced parents as well, both happily mm-hmm. remarried now, but the trepidation yeah. surrounding getting married, especially within the church where we like to say that divorce doesn't happen, but it happens all the time. And then mm-hmm. uh, and then also just to be able to kind of like settle yourself down and be like, oh, OK, this marriage mm-hmm. for eternity. I better make this <laughs> I better make this choice really right this eternal i get into heaven or don't get into heaven choice i better be doing this right yeah for sure and at the time i was kind of a perfectionist i'm Mm -hmm. not anymore and so add that on to it it's like i cannot screw this up this one major thing like you really have like this you can go one of you know two ways you can either kind of i don't know it can kind of really make you not great at relationships for me it just made me want to just dig in and just be in it to win it and Mm -hmm. just not let anything um, throw me off. So I kind of told him, I was like, I'm not getting divorced. Like I, and he's like, I have no plans to do that either. So we definitely talked about my, my dad paid for us to go to like a therapist before we got married, which I thought was great. Good for your dad. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just think we really went into it just having like really good, we managed our expectations, I guess. No, but yeah, it's, it's been great. And um, I think it's, I've learned some good lessons from watching the, uh, my parents go through all that and to take into my marriage. So that's the silver lining, I guess. Where does, uh, where does improv play into this? I didn't hear entertaining people and, you know, being, (laughs) being a funny lady. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that anywhere in there. You know, I've always done performing from the time I was small. My mom was a model and an actress. And so I kind of watched her do that. And I just, I, for a time when I was really little, I thought everyone's mom was a model. Uh (laughs) It it turns out that's not true. Yeah. But, um, but I, so I would just go to practice with her. Sometimes I would be in the little plays that she was in uh, or just have little parts, you know. Let me ask you this. Wait, um, wait, hang on real quick. Is there, is your mom in anything that we would go, oh, Haley's mom from this or this model or this, is there anything that we would... um, (laughs) 
uh, back in the day, she did like a lot of Lamb's End catalog. So oh. She did a lot of catalog stuff. And then she was once on an episode of Perry Mason. Oh. Back in the day, she had a walk-on part in that. But um, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, mostly modeling stuff. Um, she did a lot of commercials, stuff like that. But yeah, so then I just kind of started falling in love with performing and theater and stuff like that. I always, <clears throat> in high school, I always wanted to play the the ingenue roles. So just the really boring <laughs> two-dimensional. Yeah. Like, I mean, no offense, girls. no, no offense ingenues <laughs> that are listening to this. We're not, oh, no. we're not boring. Great. Yeah. They, they serve a great purpose. But my point is I was not funny. I was not interested in being funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I didn't know that I was funny. And, um, looking back, I did have this friend because things were kind of rough at home. And, and so I did have this friend who would drive me from seminary to high school. And then we'd sit in his car and I would just try to make him laugh. Like I would just tell stories and jokes and he would laugh and laugh. And at the time I thought, Oh, well, he just feels bad for me. Right. (laughs) These are pity laughs. But I, I I just, I, that's like such a profound memory for me because it really did. It was so like therapeutic for me to have that time to just, just to really feel like I could make someone laugh and just to bring joy to somebody else. Mm. And so later on when I started doing, cause I went into BYU, I'm going to be a serious actress. And, and then my, uh, you had to take an improv class and I'd never done it before really in any way. And I put that off until the last semester because I was so scared of it. And um, scared of what? Because it's unscripted, because it's unknown, because you'd never done it yeah. before. What? Well, yeah. And I guess my impression of it was probably just like everyone else's. Whose line is it anyway? And not much yeah. else. You yeah. know, I, I hadn't really seen a lot of improv in real life, but I took the class and I fell in love with it. I had a great teacher who who actually approached it in a very serious way. She didn't have us start out, you know, trying to make each other laugh. We started out just being very truthful, which actually, you know, knowing, you know, if you know anything about comedy, that is the best way. That's the only way to do true comedy is to approach a character as if with complete honesty and truth. And that's what we did. And it ended up being sometimes serious, but most times very funny um, because we just learned how to just, talk as the character would talk and not try to make jokes or try to uh, put on a show and so I fell in love with improv and then some friends and I kind of started doing it more after I graduated and we just kind of started our own little group and then I found comedy sports and um, did the workshops there and started performing with them and then my friends from comedy sports and I we formed our own troupe in 2006 called the Thrillionaires which was comedy sports is like short form based so, co- so com- comedy sports for people who don't know to kind of fill in a couple gaps yeah. here. Comedy sports is like it's a couple of teams and they go head to head. They have games like you would see on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or if you've ever mm-hmm. been to an improv show, the likelihood that you have seen short form improv is higher mm-hmm. than that you would go to a long form improv. Right. You know, they're usually the games are anywhere between like four and ten minutes typically. And there's mm-hmm. some sort of gimmick like they're doing an accent or... They're, they're creating a scene in a McDonald's in outer space. Like it's, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's those types of things. That's short form and comedy sports happens to be a team or organization that does that. You formed Thrillionaires, which is not that. That's right. And yeah, like you said, comedy sports is a lot of short form. It's a lot of pun based, which I'm terrible at pun based games. Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot more go for the joke, go for, you know, the, the punchline. And that's why I loved long form because from my, you know, BYU roots of improv, we just, I, I loved, 
um, the idea of building a story, telling a story, bringing the audience in, like having a beginning, a middle and end and in creating a character and having like a character arc and not just this one dumb character that exists for two seconds and then, you know, you're out. But I like to really, and that's what we did in Thrillioners. We, we just explored different styles. Um, we would do like 40 minute plays. We did Tennessee Williams, Oscar <laughs> Wilde, Shakespeare. We did musicals. Uh, Gilbert and Sullivan just any you name it we tried it sometimes I think we took ourselves really seriously I watched an old DVD and we would do a western and we'd just be so like serious and gritty and (laughs) (laughs) it's funny like I mean there were funny parts but it's just kind of fun to see like how we've evolved as Mm -hmm. a troupe over the years (laughs) let's uh let's uh take a break right here we'll come back in the second block of the cultural hall and we'll we'll talk about uh like making that decision to pursue the arts, pursue performing uh, and how that's affected your life. And and then, you know, maybe we'll get into a little bit about your marriage. If you let us, <laughs> I'm not pushing, but I would like to ask you a few questions about that. Um, that's coming back in the second block of the cultural hall. LDSbookstore.com is what I want to talk to you guys about. You probably hear that and you think, oh, okay, so it's just a bunch of books. Well, it is a bunch of books, but also... It's jewelry. So like what kind? Well, charms. How about cufflinks? How about custom jewelry? You want uh, LDS bookstore themed dog tags? Got them. LDS temple jewelry? All right. Rings, necklaces, bracelets? Bracelets? Nope. Bracelets. Pins, tie bars, they've got those as well. You want scriptures? Well, they got that too. You got your Bible, your Book of Mormon, your journal editions, your markers, your misimprinted scriptures, your personalized scriptures, your quads, your scripture cases, scripture stickers. I don't know why my tooth just whistled. Did you hear that? Scripture tabs, Spanish scriptures, a triple combination. That's just under scripture. So let's look at missionary. What do they have there at LDSbookstore.com? They got books and journals, clothing, gift for missionaries, mission plaques, missionary bags, missionary gear and essentials, MTC delivery, posters and banners. It is your literal one-stop shop for anything. It just happened to be called LDSbookstore.com. It's more than great books. LDSbookstore.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, if you have not become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, please do so. You can go to patreon.com slash thecultural and you can help us to be able to uh, to do things like, uh, you know, have chairs to sit in and microphones to speak into and internet to be able to run uh, the interviews that we do for the Cultural Hall. You can find that, again, patreon.com slash thecultural If you've got questions about it, you can always send me an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. Uh, Haley Jones. Haley Joe. Haley, 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 Haley. I don't know what I want to call you. I have... I, it's funny with people's names for me. I get to a point where, like, the name resides with me, and I go, that's what I'll call that person. I don't have that with you yet. Um, okay. We'll get there. We'll get there by the end of this. It's, it, is a, uh, it is a bold choice to be an artist of any kind, musician, performing artist, uh, visual artist, any of those things. And, and you made that choice, at least on some level. How, how did you arrive to that or how did you feel safe in that? Or was it the non-safe part of it that made you want to lean to it, into it even more? Um, yeah, I started out at BYU as a humanities major. I remember my mom saying, like, you're so smart. You should use your brain. Don't <laughs> follow in my footsteps. Yeah. As if all artists are brainless. <laughs> Just like, anyway, but that's not true, obviously. But yeah, I just remember her saying that. And so I tried. I really gave it the good college try. And I just, 
just felt myself pulled towards the theater. And, and I just, I finally couldn't, you know, but it was only like the end of my freshman year. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I need to be performing. It's where I want to be. It's just, I just wanted to be there. It's just what, what, what made me happy. What was the most fulfilling. I love the people. I love the professors. And, and then as far as since college, I, I did have my first child when I was like towards the end of my time at BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of already doing the mom thing um, when I graduated. So it's always been this balance of um, trying to find projects that also fit around my schedule as mom. And at the beginning, it was hard. Um, I did actually do when my kids were younger, I did a lot more theater stuff because I was gone. I could be gone in the evening and they were just sleeping mostly mm-hmm. since since they've gotten older. Um, and with teenagers, you kind of need to be home more. <laughs> so I have not done theater in a long time, but I've been able to do because they've been older. I've been able to be away from them for longer periods of time and do more filming stuff and film and TV, which has been great. But I think just for me, it's just always been that's just where my passion is just to create and tell stories. And that's why I, I loved improv so much is it, it is fun to, to be an actor and be in someone else's project and try to fill the shoes of what someone else has seen, but just to have that freedom to be able to create your own characters. And I mean, improv is just where it's at for me in that regard. It, it's an interesting uh, road that you've been called to uh, to walk, right? So let's dive into this a little bit because I think, uh, and I'm going to speak in generalized and stereotypical statements as far as this goes. I recognize that there are lots of people that this does not apply to, but as an overall characterization, I think that one road that is becoming uh, a little more traveled is the idea that women aren't funny. I think that mm. that there is, and I want to dive into that because I just <laughs> I just saw your eyebrows go, ew! Uh, so, so there's every element of that. But then also, I think uh, a little bit more pointed and within the culture of the church, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 that that improv thing is cute that you want to do that, but isn't the most important job the job that you're doing within the walls of your own home that, you know, that we do that we do, I think, to everyone, to be fair. But I think we we have an extra level that we add to the women if the men are providing for the home and the woman doesn't have to have to, I'm putting in quotations, have to work or have to pursue those, those things. So wherever on whichever of those topics you would like to pick up, we're going to get to both of them. Where would you like to go? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'll start with, yeah, I I will say when I had little kids performing was more of, I needed to have that, to just have that creative outlet. And I think it's so important for all moms of young kids and older kids. You just got to find something that makes you feel like you. That's just yours. That's just, you know, whatever hobby it is, um, whether it's, you know, exercise or photography or mine is weird improv. You know, you got to find that thing that just really helps you feel whole and, you know, whatever they say, fill your bucket or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was performing. Um, you know, I was lucky I didn't have to at the time, but really I felt like I had to, to be a better mom for my kids. And, um, I just, um, that really helped me to have something to look forward to, to have something, something to think about while I was, you know, doing laundry and (laughs) changing diapers and all that. 
And, and I think it's been actually great for my kids to see that, that I have these passions that lie outside of, of just them and, you know, that I can focus on. And I think it's a great example for them. Do you think, do you think that I'm mischaracterizing the shame that people within the church throw on other people um, who choose to do things like what you did? Um, no, no, I think, I think it's definitely exist or it definitely exists. I think it's getting a little bit better. I have plenty of friends who pursue um, work and, and, and other interests outside the home. And I don't, I don't notice nearly as much of the like disapproving looks or, you know, comments that people, I, I feel like I used to hear stuff like that more in the mm. past. So I think it's getting a little bit better. Maybe as people are being more aware of mental health and it's less stigmatized and, you know, um, I don't know, hopefully it continues in that trend because I think, yeah, there's a lot of benefits to just doing what's best for your whole family and every situation is different. Well, know? well, and to that point, I think there's, there's so much to like moms and dads having a life outside of their kids. Cause guess what? Spoiler alert. If you do it remotely, right. They move away. And at some point you go, wait, who is this person <laughs> that I yeah. don't have any yeah. interests because I've yeah. given everything to my kids now yeah. what? Now what do I do? Now right. Now how does this work? Yeah, and my husband, he's a cyclist and so he he does a lot of like he rides his bike a lot, he takes these trips and goes biking and does all these races and stuff like that. And sometimes my friends will be like, "Oh, wow, you're I can't believe you let him do that." Like, "Wow, or that's you're such a good wife." And I'm like, "Let I'm like, first of all, <laughs> First of all, for I owe him probably years. If you add up all the hours that I was away doing musicals at night back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, second of all, I just I want him to be happy. He wants me to be happy. So like we do what's best for each other and for our marriage. It's not like I let you go out and do this thing that you love, and then I but I'm keeping track of right. <laughs> so I can make sure we balance that. You know, it's I don't know. I just. I support people doing what they love. Yeah. And as, and as you uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, that really is an element of mental health, being mentally healthy, mm -hmm. to be able to mm -hmm. have that space to those things mm -hmm. and aspirations of your own to be able to look forward to. So what about women being funny? I'm sure that mm -hmm. you've, I'm sure you've felt yeah. that before. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So when I started out at comedy sports, man, I, I don't know what it was about that environment, but I felt like the audience when they were watching the show and I love comedy sports and the people there are amazing, but sometimes I felt like our audiences were kind of conditioned to just kind of look at me and fold their arms and kind of say, Oh, you good luck making me laugh. I don't know what it was. I just felt like I had to like get the audience on my side. A lot of times I was the only woman in the show, probably most of the times and I was doing it. And then the comments afterward, cause afterward we go outside and we greet the audience and, um, people would come outside and they go to my friends, the guys, and they'd say, oh, you're so funny. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. They get to me and this happened every time. And they'd say, wow, you are actually funny for a girl. <laughs> and I was just like, thank you. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't just say like, oh, you're so funny. No, it had to be qualified. Like, wow, you actually made me laugh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that back then it was kind of like this. I felt like I always had to prove something or over you know, overcome this bias that people had against female comedians. But um, I also really wanted to do it in a way where I didn't want to do comedy in the way that the guys were doing it. I wanted to be funny in my own way and, and in a, you know, call it a feminine way or whatever, just bring my own 
assets to the table and and try to maybe open up their eyes to new things to laugh at um, that they weren't necessarily getting from just a bunch of 19 year old boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. but, but I mean, it's it's crazy as a society because you still see this in some aspects like. Uh, you look at you look at like late night TV hosts. We don't have late night women TV hosts, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. huge pioneers yeah. in this, aside from yourself, of course. When we think <laughs> of folks like Amy Poehler and we think of Tina yeah. Fey, these very funny and also very confident women. Um, yeah. it, it is interesting to me that unfortunately they're still judged, at least on some level, on looks like men can be funny and oh. we can be. You know, we can be fat, thin, tall, short, whatever. But women, they have to not only be funny, but they also mm-hmm. have to have some element of attractiveness mm-hmm. in in order to to be any sort of popular, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But I also I also feel like there's this weird thing where actually attractive women in comedy sometimes have more to approve. If, I don't know, because because sometimes in the past we've looked at comedians and if they're you know more awkward or more you know don't fit the mold then we're like oh they're hilarious and I feel like sometimes yeah you people are just gonna be like wait there's no way if you kind of look like you have it together that you could be funny I don't know yeah <laughs> that, do you yeah. Think? I don't know. yeah no no I, the thing that I think is so interesting is dudes don't have to worry about that and you ladies no. have to worry about all of this stuff and it and it just it, it just seems so ridiculous within the church and without the church right like yeah. ju- just yeah. as a general thing but then also I think there's sort of an added weird element like if you are a funny lady within the church like there's some yeah like yeah w- why is she yeah. uh, uh, I don't know how to I don't know how to box. I don't know how to box that woman in. I don't know what to do with her. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, when we started Thrillionaires, we really wanted to have everything be equal. And so we really kind of had probably about, yeah, equal men and women in the troupe. And so our audience has just kind of always expected that. And never again, did I have an audience member saying, Oh, you're funny for a girl. We just presented ourselves as here's what we are. We're, you know, we're all comedians. We're all equally funny. And so I think if you just, just kind of, I don't know, just kind of set the standard for what people's expectations should be. Don't apologize for being funny and, and for just wanting to, um, I don't know, maybe expand people's minds in that way. I, I think people want to be challenged sometimes in their assumptions, sometimes not, Sure, <laughs> but I, I think it's great to to challenge people and give them new things to think about and new ways of thinking about comedy or well I it, I mean we're talking we're talking we're talking about comedy or we're talking about moms but I think the really just be confident in who you are transcends to yeah. all parts of life right no matter yeah. what no matter what decisions you're making no matter what professions you're pursuing but to just yeah. be truly who you are, be true to it, pursue it, be, you know, the best that you can, whatever yeah. that ethereal statement might mean. Yeah. But but right. really but really be it. I think that's a I think that's a great lesson to kind of learn from your from your life from yeah. that lesson. Yeah, it just goes back to yeah, what is comedy? It's it's just truth. And so sometimes 
I might be telling a story that is very, was not funny when it happens, but because it's true and it resonates with people, they, they laugh. And so that, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is to, you know, tell stories and to, you know, embellish them. And this was the craziest day ever, you know, but I mean, that's just what people connect to mm. is true. And so it's, as long as you're approaching whatever you do, yeah, like you said, with confidence and authenticity, people will respond to it in a positive way. How did show-offs come about? I mean, it's essentially trillionaires on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, so basically, Jake and McLean, who we both did, her Lisa and I both did trillionaires with. Lisa uh, who we, sh- we should mention a couple of things, <laughs> first of all. Uh, McLean Nelson, previous guest of the, uh, of the Cultural Hall. Lisa Valentine-Clark, oh, nice. also previous guest of the Cultural Hall. Jake Van Wagner, the guy who says that he'll be interviewed and then doesn't show up for the times that he should be interviewed. <laughs> And, well, I can't and you to that. no 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 that's fine <laughs> oh man um yeah no jake van wagner and mclean nelson pitched the show to byu tv and then um and then mclean told me afterward he's like oh i pitched a show and, and you're in it so. <laughs> so because he knows that i get i i don't know i get too worked up i get too nervous about things and so he wanted he's like it looks like it might actually happen I didn't actually believe it was going to happen until I saw it on TV. Like I thought for sure someone was going to pull the plug at some point. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you get sort of conditioned with that in the entertainment industry, right? Like, yes. hey, we got this really great thing. And you're like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I can't wait. And then yes. like if you're early on, you start to tell everyone because you think it's exciting and you think it's for sure going to happen. But then you get burned just enough times. That and- is exactly it. Yes. In fact, Right before we, something similar had happened. We had gotten like almost to the final stages of this project and then the plug got pulled and I was devastated. And it was right after that, that McLean was like, hey, I want to write this little script about girls camp. Do you want to write it with me? And I was like, whatever, nothing's going to come of it. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So we just spent that summer, you know, kind of like nursing our wounds, you know, licking our wounds after this other thing fell through and just writing this dumb script and nothing was ever going to happen with it. And then come end of July, he's like, yeah, we're done. Let's have a reading. And I was like, wait, what? We're really doing this? And then we had the reading. He's like, okay, yeah, we're going to make this movie. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So I find that it's better for me to just go into everything just kind of, you know, like you said, because you don't want to get your hopes up and that that rejection. It still stings every time, you know. And that film obviously went on to become Once I Was a Beehive. Yes. Yes. Once I Was a Beehive. And so that was. Yeah, a similar thing where I was just like, I can't, I can't believe we're doing this. This is, this is happening. And then all of a sudden it was in theaters. And I'm like, well, we, we did that. That was fun. What's next? <laughs> you know, it's an interesting thing because if people haven't seen Once I Was a Beehive, I mean, I would maybe characterize it as a, an LDS church film, I guess. But it's, mm-hmm. so, it's so much more than that. And it's different from things like your singles ward or your you know, you're, you're the RM or anything like that. It It is accessible because like you say, I think that the entertainment in it is the truth of the story and characters. Cause we all know that over exaggerated mom, we all know that, you know, that camp experience that's just dreadful. I mean, these are exaggerated things within the confines of yeah. this film, but there, therein lies the truth. Whereas maybe in some of those other projects, it was, for the jokey joke or, or, or yeah. something along the way. 
Yeah. And that was really important to me with that when we brainstormed all of the ideas. I mean, so many things that happened in that movie happened to my daughter or myself or one of the other collaborators. Like you, there is nothing you can say that will hurt me more about that, <laughs> that movie than when I read comments that are like, this is nothing like Girl Scout. <laughs> That's like the one time where I'm like, oh, <laughs> because I really did actually the, the summer before it came out, I went to girls camp as a leader. And that whole week I was like in my head because the movie hadn't come out yet. I was like, okay, check, check. We got that. We got yeah. that. Yep. Oh, we just got flooded out of our tents. We got that. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I think we're good. I yeah. think, I think we clicked all, ticked all the boxes, but you know, not that we wanted to, it to just be like this, you know, generic, but we really wanted it to resonate with those who had participated and maybe those who hadn't participated, but wanted to know what it was like. <laughs> yeah. And so if people are listening to this and you, and you think, man, she, this, this Haley Jones Smith, she's entertaining. Well, I wonder what she looks like, uh, like on, uh, on the screen. You can check her out in once I was a beehive as well as show offs on BYU TV. You just download the app and you can be able to check it out. I want to take a break. And when I come back, I don't know that it will be comedy necessarily, although there's probably comedic parts about it. I would like to uh, dive as far as you'll let me into the the truth as far as the marriage goes. What happens when the spouse says, hey, cool for you, not going to be doing it. And then, I mean, spoiler, you guys are still married, so you obviously have figured a way through it. So I'd love to hear about that. We'll come back and do that in the third block of the cultural hall. Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra-mega back-to-school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra-high-quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch and dents, trade-ins, and funny colored computers. It's crazy. Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, uh, would invite you, you can now text the uh, Cultural Hall, the phone number 801-310-1776. Someone asked me the other day, well, what can I text that number? Whatever you'd like. It's a text number. So if you're like, that was a great episode, you can do that. If you want to text me, hey, uh, once I was a beehive is not at all like my girls camp experience. You can do that as well. Uh, the, the phone number 801-310-1776. All right, Haley Jones Smith, you hitched your wagon to the Smith wagon. And, uh, and I, and I want to, uh, I want to, I want to get into that. And I want you to know, first of all, 
where I think that probably both of us would be prone to um, to make jokes, to deflect mm-hmm. out of things. Uh, know yeah. that it, know that it's a, a, a perfectly safe space to be able to talk about whatever you feel comfortable and that I'm not going to lead you into anywhere that, that, that you wouldn't want to, but also that I am in a similar situation, only um, mm-hmm. I, I hitched my wagon to someone who ha- has not ever been a member of the church and, and, okay. ma- and made that conscious decision. So mm-hmm. there will probably be some simila- similarities in our in our discussion, but certainly uh, I think it is a different approach when, Hey, let's get married in the temple. Yeah. I'm on board. Hey, Mm -hmm. we're going to be together for eternity. Yes. Hey, what do you think about this church thing? Oh yeah, no, I'm not doing that anymore. So talk a little bit about. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely, my husband was raised in the church, went on a mission, you know, we got married in the temple, all of it. And then we, so we moved to Denver, the Denver area about, seven years ago now. Mm -hmm. And we moved from New York city. We lived in New York for three years and our New York ward was awesome. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, the wards in New York are probably a little bit different than wards around the country where in a Sunday school discussion, you really can just talk about, you really can express your opinion. People are having discussions. People are talking about like what doubts they have and what, and and it's a safe place, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel, sometimes we don't get that as much, I think in the West. And so our ward here is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing them. It's just a little bit, I think of a different like mindset and culture. And so I think my husband coming from New York and then coming back here, um, he kind of realized that there were a lot of things that um, he had struggled with and he finally just wanted to talk to me about it. So he sat me down and just kind of said, you know what, I've had, I've struggled. I've had doubts my whole life. Mm-hmm. growing up in the church and I really struggled and he's like I just don't feel like I can really be completely honest with myself anymore and I just I can't say that I believe this anymore and I was completely blindsided mm. I had no idea so, I, I did not so when he coming. when he's sitting you down to this conversation are you like oh no he's cheated or something like like was it what, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like was it wrapped in this yeah. I need to have this serious conversation and your mind is just like where is this going? Or was it like, Hey, the asparagus is delicious. And I've struggled with doubt my whole life. (laughs) No, he was definitely very nervous, which made me very nervous because he is so like confident and well-spoken that it was, I was just like, what is happening? But I think the reason he was so nervous is, and he expressed this in that initial conversation. He's like, listen, you are the most important thing that has ever happened to me. You're, you're like, you know, the most important thing to me. And so I cannot lose you. And so that's why I'm afraid, you know, and that really, that, that went a long way, you know, because he, he really just wanted to communicate. He just wanted to say, listen, I'm the same person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, he, I don't drink. I don't want to smoke. I don't, I didn't have an affair. I'm not, I don't have any like, you know, secret habits or anything. I just, I don't believe, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that really hit home you know, to me, because I guess I had always kind of looked at other people in a similar situation and kind of, kind of judged them unfairly or, or just when I saw someone, you know, that would say they were leaving or they didn't believe anymore. I was like, oh, that's just sad. That's a tragedy. And, and, and I would totally understand, oh yeah, well, of course she's going to get, you know, leave him. How could she possibly, you know, the church is the most important thing in the world. But um, I think actually living in New York for me really helped me to understand just to be more, I guess, open-minded about 
different people's situations and not as judgmental and just to kind of be more, um, have more empathy towards people for where they're at mm -hmm. and, and the journey they're on and how we're all on our own unique journey. And so for me to, you know, tell someone that loved me, that was completely the same person and just struggling with this, that I, you know, couldn't go there with them or that, you know, didn't want to do this anymore. That just didn't make any sense to me. I just really kind of learned, or I just kind of feel that family or those family relationships are really more important than religion mm -hmm. to me. And so I just um, made the choice to, you know, I, I told them I'm okay, well, we're going to, we can do this together and we'll just figure it out. And mm -hmm. so that's what we've been doing for the last, I don't know, I guess it's been like five years we told our kids probably it wasn't too long after that. And we just kind of sat them down and said, well, dad believes one thing, mom believes another. You guys have now have this unique opportunity to kind of really figure out for yourself what right. you want to believe right. and if you uh, choose to believe it. And we kind of said, you know, for now, you guys should keep going to church with your mom. and But then you're going to have to figure out what you want to believe, which is for someone who was as a recovering perfectionist and growing up and imagining everything living, having the perfect life. And, you know, uh, it, it was kind of hard to realize like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to have that. perfect. <laughs> I no longer have that perfect fairy tale ending that, you know, <laughs> Mormon girls dream about, but, but it's okay. It, it's just, it's all about managing your expectations and just like choosing love over anything else, I think. And just, um, I don't know, I, I have learned a lot and it's been a really good experience for me. And it's hard to go to church. I think, um, sometimes by myself, my ward has been amazing, just so loving and I don't know, supportive mm -hmm. and everything. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something I would have maybe chosen, but <laughs> I, I think it's, it's been, it's been a good, good, good learning life experience, I guess. Well, and I, and I would venture to guess that it continues to be a really good learning experience, right? You sort of tell this narrative of like, mm -hmm. well, the end of the movie was written and we crumpled it up and now we've written a new one and we know exactly how that's <laughs> going to be. And I would think that there are times, you know, where kids are like, well, dad's not going to church, so I'm not going. And as much as, mm -hmm. as much as you just want to be loving, you're like, no, wait, you know, like that, like that, that, yeah. that can be, that can be hard on your heart. You, that can be like, yeah. you know, are you really making the choice that, you know, that you don't believe, or is this the easier thing? And then mm -hmm. does that create a wedge between you mm -hmm. and, and your husband? And, and it is a, mm -hmm. a difficult and more occurring road for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And of course we've had times like that. I have you know, I have a child who doesn't, who is not interested. And, and part of me is like, well, you're just a lazy teenager, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. but I, you know, I, but I mean, he, you know, sees his dad and like, well, he's a good person. And you mm -hmm. know, he, so I, you can, he, I mean, there's, yeah, so many little, you know, nuanced things that happen. And yeah. And you, you can, if you are not careful, kind of start to feel those feelings of resentment and like, well, well if this goes horribly wrong, I'm going to blame you, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think just making sure to just, and one of the things we did tell our kids when we first sat them down was like, we still have the same family standards. We right. still believe in right and wrong. And we still believe, you know, in these core values. And so 
just because like dad doesn't believe in this church, that doesn't mean that like, we don't believe, you know, in like honesty and, you know, the word of wisdom and just, you know, things that we still teach. And, and so we wanted to make that very clear to them as well. But yeah, I think it is happening a little bit more and more. And I think it's important to talk about because I think a lot of people do feel very alone when it was first my situation, I did feel alone. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't, I didn't know who would understand as it's, as the years have gone by and I've become more, a little bit more comfortable in my situation. I really enjoyed like talking to people about it who do need someone, you know, to listen to, or yeah, to listen to them or to just kind of just validate them and say, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's very hard. And you know, that's, that's just how it is. But, but yeah, but I I would say in some ways our marriage has gotten stronger. Um, We don't talk about it too much um, just because that's when things can get more stressful and like heated, but um, he's very respectful. And like, I, you know, I have my callings and I go to church and he doesn't complain every once in a while he'd be like oh you have another sunday meeting (laughs) i'm like yes you don't remember this yeah but to be (laughs) fair but to be fair every once in a while you will say oh i have another sunday meeting (laughs) if you had to if someone was listening to this and um you know maybe they're in a place where they haven't uh, reached out to individuals Mm -hmm. Aside from, you know, maybe like the close family members or or they're just really struggling within this space. Are there a couple maybe key points that you have observed or done that you feel like have made it so that your marriage could continue? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think just I, I just tell myself just all the time that just our salvation is so individual I think. And it's so, it's such a a personal thing. I I think we don't need to be so concerned with like saving every single person around us. Mm -hmm. That's not our job. Like that's kind of, sometimes I think that's how our culture like makes it seem, but really we need to just focus on becoming the best people that we can ourselves. And we cannot try to change people you know, just by loving them hard. You know, you can't just change someone. Everyone has their, everyone has their free agency and that's part of the plan. And so we just need to worry about ourselves and then just try to be good examples, be loving, don't give up on people. I mean, I love it when the general authorities talk about that because I just can't imagine just like, why would someone ever want to come back to something if everyone just turned a cold shoulder to them, you know? Yeah, yeah and kicked them out of the fold as it were like, why would you ever want to come back to that? But if everyone is just there for you all the time and just loving and understanding and attempting to listen, then yeah, you would feel much more inclined to maybe make that decision someday. So I would say just try to have as much understanding as you can and be loving and um, don't beat yourself up. It's not your fault. And um yeah, hope. Hope is a huge thing. So I never give up hope that everything will work itself out yeah. in the end. And never go to bed angry. And and <laughs> and chocolate. And and fight naked. Or all of those ridiculous pieces of advice that we give. <laughs> you know, those those things that we tell newlyweds that we're like, I'm being so clever. I'm so edgy with my advice that I'm giving. 
Sorry, sorry, it was so serious there for a while. No, I didn't know what we were going to do. Just don't murder each other during quarantine. Yeah. There's my advice. <laughs> right. There are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask okay. those of you now. The first mm-hmm. question is, do you have a calling? And if so, what is it? Ah, yes. I'm the second counselor in the Young Women's Presidency, formerly over the Beehives. But now they're the 12 to 13-year-old girls class. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh, If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Librarian. Yeah? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like the the chorister in in Sacrament, because that's fun, too. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But I've done librarian, and it was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That was the best. So many books. Seriously. (laughs) There were so many books. I loved it. I really liked, just as a side tangent, I love um, in the wards not in Utah that they've been around like in their building for just like years and years and years. All the weird stuff that's still in the library that because because it's Jesus related, we can't throw it out. So we hold on to it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I yeah, found this old sure. cassette tape when I was serving my mission. I found this old cassette tape of like the city of Joseph pageant that, you know, oh, no one God. is checking it out. No one is, you know, yeah. this would be really great for my lesson. But they have like all these tapes. and Oh, my goodness. Just because we couldn't listen to anything else, we'd be like a city of Joseph musical pageant tape. <laughs> you bet. Let's listen to this all day. Um, for some reason, that reminded me of the hardest calling I've ever had, which can I tell a quick story? Yes. About that? But which made me learn that I can do any calling now. Um, in New York City, I got called to be a gospel doctrine teacher, and um, we were covering doctrine and covenants. And in my class, there was um, an individual named Richard Bushman. Oh, geez. <laughs> Which, for people who don't know, he's the author of Rough Stone Rolling and, like, one of the most premier uh, historians within the church. Yep. And so I was like, okay. So I would stand up there. Okay. Today in church history, we're going to talk about, you know, I'd say my thing. And I go, is that right, Richard? Yeah. Just nod, smile and nod. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that experience taught me that you you can truly do any calling. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. And none of us are expert, you know, we're it's that's really the weakest among us that are asked to do things. But you know, from that experience, I mean, I don't know what why, but he and I became really good friends and he once told me, "You have a very interesting mind." I think one time I used like a walking dead analogy in a doctrine and covenants lesson, but <laughs> because it, be, it because worked. of course you did. <laughs> So but funny. it worked. Uh, we became friends. He's a great guy. But um, anyway, I don't know why I thought of that. That was a hard call. Well, give me one second. <laughs> I got to pick up that name you just dropped. Okay. <laughs> the last question we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall can be interpreted however you take it to be meant. Um, but the okay. question is, is what is your favorite part of your faith? My favorite part of my faith? Mm-hmm. Um, mm, hmm. Um. My favorite part of my faith is going to be probably the teachings of Christ, just um, the teachings that we've gotten because of the restored gospel about Jesus Christ, just about how much he loves each one of us and knows each one of us and on a personal level 
and, and how much he wants all of us to succeed and, and how much of an example he is for us to treat other people in the same way. And there's not really any excuses to treat anyone poorly. And so just to be loving and of everyone and, and, and empathetic and, and kind, cause you never know. Yeah. Well, uh, it has been great to be able to visit with you. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body and that if you're not healthy enough to listen to it this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen to it next week and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.